Millions of frontline workers keep our economy running and are provided with the latest technology to do their jobs. But digital adoption, especially by frontline workers, is really hard. This is Frontline Innovators. We explore how to overcome challenges and achieve success when we empower our essential workers. I'm Justin Lake. And I'm Gene Signorini. Together, we speak with experts who are leading the way and driving digital transformation to the front line. This podcast is sponsored by Skillful on a mission to help frontline workers learn and use the technology needed to succeed in their jobs. Welcome to the Frontline Innovators podcast. I'm your host, Gene Signorini, and I'm excited for today's episode. Today's guest is an innovative thought leader who's a ProSci certified change management consultant and formerly the Arizona chapter president of the ACMP, Association of Change Management Professionals. She's currently the founder and CEO at ChangeSync. Please welcome to the show, Kate Degon. Kate, really excited to have you on the show today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Yeah. Um, I, we always like to start out our show kind of with a, an overarching question. As you know, this is all about the frontline workforce and the challenges that they face. And so we like to ask our guests, what do you see as the biggest challenge facing the deskless workforce today? Yeah, that's a great question. So I've had the distinct pleasure of working with many um, deskless frontline workers over the years. And I think the one thing that has always been at the forefront is time. So this typically tends to be a population who um, has a lot on their plate and doesn't, you know, often have the luxury of um, sometimes taking routine schedule breaks. A lot of times their work might fluctuate um, seasonally or depending on, um, you know, the nature of, of the business and they're just busy. And so um, when it comes to, you know, change that's happening that impacts how they work or even where they work, um, it, it's finding the time and what is typically their busy schedule. Um, and oftentimes, sometimes the front frontline workers are driven by customer demands, right? So um, really finding the time to figure out that change, internalize it, um, and become adept at it uh, ahead of that change actually happening. Yeah. And it certainly seems that like nowadays, right, frontline workers are on, e under even more time pressure, right? I mean, with things like mm -hmm. the, the current labor shortage, um, yeah. You know, it just seems like there's more and more demands on their time just from their core jobs. Yes. Yes. Sometimes they're taking on additional accountabilities because of the labor shortage to, to your point. Um, you know, uh, new changes happening. Some learn faster. Some take a little bit more time um, to internalize those changes and get good at them. So, yeah, absolutely. So how does change, how does that, you know, that problem of time, right? The time pressure that they're under constantly. How does that manifest itself, particularly in light of kind of organizational change? What does that mean in terms of what are the challenges then that they face given that they don't seem to have time you know, to do anything? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a great question. So this is where change management teams, I think have to get really creative and really do their due diligence and understanding uh, the frontline workers, and they're not all the same, right? So doing some very specific and unique analysis um, on those stakeholder groups and really understanding what their challenges are, what their needs are, and really put together a really robust uh, readiness program to communicate with them, help them understand what the change is, what that change means to them, really help that frontline worker feel like they are understood not only as an employee, but the, your, their unique needs um, as an individual as well. You know, that's one piece of it, right? So understanding how do we even get them prepared for the change, knowing how busy they are, because once they hear about it, that's when the anxiety kicks in, right? The judgment around the change and how is this, you know, what, what is it going to mean to me and how am I going to get ready for it, et cetera, right? And then it's the actual training for the change itself. So figuring out new and unique ways of reaching this workforce um, because they are remote, right? Some of them are changing locations on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, some are out, um, you know, driving around. Look at this time of year, it's the holidays. So, you know, take a look at the, the deskless workforce 
of, you know, delivery drivers, they're working long hours trying to make things happen. And so, um, you know, not that there's a ton of change happening at this time of the year, but it does happen. And so really figuring out what ways um, we can reach this audience and the unique stakeholder groups within to make sure that the change plan we're putting together uh, really resonates with them and the unique nuances um, you know, they have considering that they are remote. You know, you use this term, um, use this word readiness, right? Um, and we've heard this um, from other folks uh, on this program as well. How would you define readiness, right? What does that mean, particularly to a, a change practitioner? What would that mean to a leader of frontline workers, for example, somebody who's in the operations team? What does readiness mean for the organization? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. So um, readiness is really helping to prepare the employees who are impacted, regardless of the level of impact, really helping to prepare them for the impending change. And this precedes the actual formal training. So, you know, way back in the days before organizations were really truly practicing change management, when a change would um, happen, you know, maybe there was a project team that would sit in their, you know, project space for a year and plan this change, and then they would roll it out to the organization. Um, Sometimes training was included, sometimes it wasn't, but oftentimes there wasn't a lot of communication or readiness ahead of announcing that change and that change being live. And so, you know, let's be honest, people, most people are not a huge fan of, you know, opening up their computer or getting a message somehow and hearing that there's a big change. Like those surprises just really aren't welcomed in the workforce. And so, you know, really the the readiness piece of it is, again, figuring out who is impacted by the change. What are those specific stakeholder groups? What activities do we need to prepare for them in order to appropriately ready them for the change um, and and really get them hopefully excited and feeling okay with the change. We're not going to do that for everybody because there's always your resistors in any type of change, but to the best of our ability, really um, preparing the different users for for what's to come. And, and, you know, some organizations use specific methodologies to use that, um, you know, whether it's Cotter, ProSci, et cetera. Others use a, a hybrid or homegrown, but Really, the idea is to make them aware and um, give them plenty of runway to uh, move through that change curve at a pace that feels comfortable to them. Yeah, that's great. And I think this is a really good segue, maybe to talk a little bit about um, ChangeSync, because I'm sure many of the folks listening may not be familiar, but it's obviously an organization. It's it's a company that you created, right, specifically Mm -hmm. to address some of these challenges. So why don't you talk a little bit about ChangeSync and kind of why you decided that the world needed ChangeSync, so to speak? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So let's see, I've been in the field of change management for uh, over 15 years now, and uh, I've worked with some of the uh, nation's largest companies through big types of change, enterprise transformations, uh, ER plant implementations, mergers and acquisitions, et cetera. So um, when, you, when you look at the size of those changes, they're, they're big and they're complex. You have many stakeholder groups, you have thousands of impacted employees, um, you've got lots of people that you need to answer to, and of course, you've got your timeline and, and your budget and uh, you know, you, you certainly don't want the project to fail in any way, shape, or form. So there's a lot of stuff going on there. And uh, I, I found myself um, really struggling to work strategically. And reason being is in order to truly, you know, understand, uh, you know, your stakeholder groups and how you're trending through change, in, in the change management world, we deploy surveys, uh, we might do readiness assessments, uh, we have feedback mechanisms through a change champion network, um, might have, you know, some roundtable meetings, webinars, just any way we can gauge how the people who are impacted um, by the change are trending is really important, right? So typically, um, you know, on a monthly or quarterly basis, we're reporting out to the executive um, sponsor team of you know, here's how your organization is trending through this change. But in order to do that accurately and do it well, the amount of manual aggregation of data is 
outstanding. I mean, it, it's, it's so much and it's so laborious and it takes so much time to pull that together that by the time you actually have some sort of semblance of where we might be, it's already outdated. And so I was really struggling because I thought there's got to be a better, better way to do this project over project, organization over organization. Uh, I was myself and, you know, those people who are working alongside me or, or um, within my structure, um, we were just spending so much time aggregating data just to try to figure out where, where we, uh, where we were. And how were you doing that? that How were you doing that previously? So what tools were you using to kind of keep track of everything? So we were using um, Excel, right? Or smart sheets. We eventually transitioned to, um, uh, from a spreadsheet perspective, we were using um, either uh, well, a survey platform to send the surveys, uh, a, a document repository, and that was uh, specific to each company, whether that was you know, SharePoint or Dropbox. Um, we were using Confluence to try to keep track of um, timelines and um, project timelines and things of that nature. And, so it was just all of these, you know, disparate systems that we were having to reference um, and again, pull the data from in order to create our change story and our change journey and be able to report out on, on those numbers. Of course, we were using, if an organization had it, a learning management system. Sometimes they did not, and we would um, just have to track that manually as well. So um, just really inefficient and just didn't allow um, myself or my teams to add a click of a button, understand um, how we were trending. And so I knew there had to be a better way. So I went out to the marketplace and I looked and I, I couldn't, I couldn't find one. And I thought, well, if I'm experiencing this challenge, there's got to be others that would appreciate a software that's designed specifically for, for our um, professional discipline, right? There's hundreds of project management softwares out there. Why isn't there anything for change management? And so uh, I thought if there isn't one out there, well, then I'll build it. Wasn't my first time as an entrepreneur and um, just like to work efficiently and effectively and strategically, especially with change, because it is complicated and it happens all the time. So um, I built ChangeSig and what it does is it brings, um, it's a cloud-based uh, SaaS software as a, a service platform that brings all of these disparate tools that we use at change, as change practitioners into one platform. So it has uh, dashboard reporting. You can track all of your um, initiatives and activities, whether it's communication, readiness, or training. In the platform, you can do org-wide org reporting on change. Um, it's a multi-filter select where you can um, query the system to get any level of detail about what change looks like across the organization, um, send surveys, acts as a document repository. So it just really eliminates all of those inefficiencies that we as change practitioners have had to work with or work within uh, for years. So it's, it's been a fun journey and, um, and, and it's just really nice to be able to help people, uh, work more easily within change. Yeah. And it certainly sounds like it's kind of this one pane of glass, if you will, right. Which provides visibility across the entire spectrum of all the things that you need to do to manage change. I think it's, it's, mm -hmm. and, and obviously, you know, it's, it's funny, you know, most entrepreneurs, right. When they, or most people are starting businesses, are usually doing it because they've seen a problem that they themselves have, right? And yes. nobody's helping them. And it sounds like that's exactly what you said is, listen, this is, I need this. Nobody's got it. So I'm going to go build yep. it myself. I, I think you made that's reference right. to this wasn't your kind of first journey into entrepreneurship. And I, I'd be interested in, in kind of, you know, how you kind of on your entire journey toward innovation, entrepreneurship and, and this, I, I just would love to hear more about that. Um, you know what? I guess I'm just not one that uh, I get bored easily. <laughs> so if there's a, I like to be challenged. So if there's, you know, if there's a problem out there that exists and I see, um, you know, some opportunity and I, I think that my skills and abilities um, align well with it, I'm, I'm always up for the challenge. Uh, I always like to, to learn more and to meet people. And I think that kind of resonates with, you know, being in the field of change management. Uh, itself. That's why I fell in love with it. Uh, you know, specifically the fact that 
when we're um, helping organizations implement change, it's typically to help an organization um, thrive, right? In, in whatever way strategically that makes sense for the organization. And so to do that, we're, you know, we're always on the forefront of what's next. And we get to see, you know, new and exciting things, um, whether it's a new ERP or, you know, per perhaps it's a, a really cool way to structure a company to better, you know, see benefits realized and whatnot. But so lots of lots of different, um, very strategic initiatives that we get to be involved in. And so I think the the fear of change and the and fear of the unknown is something that just, um, I guess I probably got over very early on in my career, just because it's the space that if you're going to be a change practitioner, um, you live in right alongside the people who are designing and implementing that change with you. Yeah, I, I really like what you said, which is, is, you know, change can help organizations and people thrive, right? You know, in, in order to, to get better, to improve, you've, you've got to change. And, and, you know, it's something that I've observed, and I firmly believe this to be true, is that so many companies are holding back on initiatives, whether those are digital transformation initiatives, whatever those initiatives are, is because of the complexity and the burden that goes along with yep. that change. But at the same point in time, it, it's kind of holding them back, right, from, from that, that improvement. Um, it is. Yeah. Um, so how did you get in? How did you become a change practitioner? Like what, what started you along that path? So I think it's kind of uh, <laughs> similar to a lot of other change practitioners that I didn't even realize I was necessarily doing change management. Mm -hmm. but I was working for one of the nation's largest um, higher ed institutions. And at the time, um, they were going through some pretty rapid growth. So it was a fun time for change. It was a fun place to be. And uh, every, everyone, for the most part, was in, enjoying the ride. Uh, and, but we, it, was, it was growth change. And so, um, you know, how do we continue to innovate a product um, to stay ahead of the competition that we know is, you know, close on our heels? Uh, how do we continue to grow our uh, employee population at such a fast rate without compromising, you know, quality or culture or consistency from a business um, operations perspective. And, you know, all of that was, that was great. Um, I was even over some of the international expansion initiatives. So, you know, that was pretty fun, a different lens for me um, on a global perspective. Uh, but, you know, what ended up happening is our competition caught up and, you know, the organization was no longer, uh, you know, ha had the lion's share of of the market. And so then I started managing change on, on the downside. Right. And so a different kind of change, right. So it's, you know, doing helping with the analysis of, you know um, you know, where, where is uh, our biggest return on investment and, and maybe where are the um, parts of the business that, you know, really aren't um, maybe necessary to for viability anymore. And so um, either, you know, both of those changes, uh, both of those aspects of change uh, were different. There was parts that I liked of both, still a learning curve. And, and, uh, but, I, but I do feel very fortunate that I had the opportunity to um, be part of the, the rise of change um, with an organization. And, and um, they're still around, but a bit of a, a not necessarily a fall, but a getting smaller in size uh, with change. And, and uh, so from, from there, you know, I, I realized I was doing formal change management and I realized there was a professional discipline um, that was very much aligned with what I was doing. And so for, from there, I started seeking out uh, formal positions in change management. Um, so from there, I went on to do a uh, enterprise uh, transformation for one of the nation's largest insurance companies. Um, so that was a big one. And, and the journey just goes on from there. So. Uh, again, I think like a lot of people, I didn't even know change management was a thing. I was doing the work. Um, so it was very refreshing and exciting for me uh, when I found out that there was a, a formal field for the work. Yeah, it's very interesting because I think there are, are a lot of organizations who don't have a strong discipline around change management. And then you get people that are like the accidental change management practitioners. They're like, oh, great. Can you do this for us? You got, you know, and then I think Nikki Tolfson, one of our other um podcast guests said that's kind of how she got into it first because she was kind of the squeaky wheel and they said great we'd love you to help out with this and she became a change practitioner but it seems more and more and certainly 
the guests that we've had on our program here would bear that out, that more and more organizations, do you see this? More and more organizations are starting to recognize the importance of having a change management, a formal change management discipline. Oh, no question. Because at the end of the day, the reality is, is, you know, you can move boxes on a page, you know, you can create a new product, um, you know, you can break into a new market, but the people who are really going to make your business successful are the employees. And I think, you know, years and years ago, there was this turn to, you know, employee satisfaction and employee retention. Uh, and that was great, but then that just got extended to, hey, you know, when, when we are going through change, we really do need to focus on the people. The people are what make that change happen. And those are the people that make the change stick. And then hence we get our benefits realized. So, you know, it sounds so simple, but it did take organizations a long time to figure that out. Um, and now I, I do see more and more uh, them, you know, placing the, the resources, um, time, money and, and effort uh, towards change professionals to do that work uh, because the payout at the end uh, is, is worse. So there's, there, there's a return on investment. It's hard for people to quantify it, but if you really do your due diligence and, you know, look into past um, projects and um, that's another thing that change sync helps do is we, you know, you can archive your projects and you can look back on your change agility and, and playbook, um, you know, in, in years in the past. And so it, it, it's easier to start to see the return on investment. Um, you know, for, for change professionals and it's there. So it's, it's growing. Yeah. And, and I think that's right. I mean, I always say that, you know, you can, like you said, you can put all the things on a page or in a boxes. I mean, you can, you know, say it's a technology project. I mean, you can do all the things, right. You can select the right technology, you know, and there's an awful lot of time spent on that. But if at the end of the day, you don't get your people to embrace it, right. To understand it, to embrace it then it's the last link of the chain that fails, right? And, and I think yep. that's kind of what you talked about at the very beginning of our conversation is, is really that pressure on that, that end user base. And I, I'd love to kind of loop us back to that a little bit, which is, mm -hmm. you know, you kind of talked about, you know, hey, preparing the, particularly that frontline user base and really understanding your unique needs. Because I, I think that's great that you, you brought that up, which is, listen, just is like not employees are all the same, right? Knowledge workers are different mm -hmm. than frontline workers and not all frontline workers are the same, right? They're different yep. users with different They're jobs people, and yeah. different, yeah, <laughs> different people, yeah. you know? And so, so what are some of the methods that you see some of the, you know, kind of best practices out there, you know, to really kind of say, okay, how do we understand those user needs? What are, what are the things that, that you recommend? Uh, so personas have become increasingly popular. Um, it, it's somewhat similar to doing the stakeholder work, right? So you're just really understanding those, um, you know, unique populations. I think another one that I've always really embraced over the years, and it's actually one of my favorite things about change management, is really standing up a, a very strong uh, change champion network. Some people call it different things. I think that's probably the most common term, but, you know, really they are an extension of the various personas or stakeholder groups um, that we are responsible for helping to move through the change. So when you think about the remote deskless workforce, you know, who are the people that can best represent those personas or those stakeholders? And, and how do we tap into them and how do we leverage them as a change team um, to really understand what those unique needs are of the various populations, because then we really want to create those readiness activities, those specific communications and those specific training activities um, that resonate with those unique groups. And us, you know, us as change professionals, usually the change teams are relatively small compared to the number of impacted people. Mm -hmm. And they, the, you know, the frontline people, they don't know who we are, right? So there isn't trust there. They're not going to pick up the phone and say, hey, Kate, I really want to tell you how I really feel about this change. <laughs> They're not going to do that, right? But they'll hopefully tell somebody that they trust, uh, you know, hopefully their manager or a mentor or something like that. So being very strategic about how we choose um, and engage a change champion network is important because it becomes a two-way conversation for us as change practitioners to create those really robust, unique um, plans, but also for us to be able to easily and quickly pivot based on how people are thinking and feeling about those, the, the changes. Because one day they may feel really good 
And the next day they hear something and it makes them not feel so great, right? So we wanna make sure that we understand that and get ahead of that. And that Change Champion Network um, can, can really help us. So how do you, I love this idea of a Change Champion Network. I mean, how does that, how do you facilitate that? You know, give me an example of how you would facilitate that at a, at a large organization. Yeah, how do you identify those champions? How do you kind of bring them together and, and collaborate with them? I'm really curious to kind of hear about the, 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 you know, the, the practical, you know, application of that. Yeah. So uh, how I've done it time and time again, and, and have gotten better at doing it over the years is um, a- asking a lot of people, a lot of questions and <laughs> at a lot of different levels of the organization. So of course I start out, you know, at the project level, um, you know, I'll, I'll interview, um, you know, some of the, the project sponsors, um, you know, usually depending on what the change is, you've got, you know, your subject matter experts from each of the areas. And so I really ask them um, very specific questions about, you know, who is this change going to impact in their organization? You know, tell me about your culture. Tell me about um, how you've experienced change in the past. You know, what are the roadblocks that you think we're going to encounter as a change team based on these, you know, impacted audiences in, in your vertical, et cetera. So I start there and, and it's all really good information, but I, I don't always take it as truth, but, but it's truth for, for that, that person and, and, and perhaps at that level. But then I always go down to the next level. I ask the same questions and I go level by level and I, and I really do ask permission um, to talk to some of the frontline employees because what their reality is may be very, very different than what someone um, in their same field or area within the organization says about, about them, right? So, you know, when, when you talk to a lot of different people and a lot of different um, levels, somehow you can, can ferret out um, most likely what the reality is um, versus what sometimes becomes people's perceived reality. And so finding, um, finding that information is really in, important because all of that feeds then what is, like I was talking about before, the you know readiness plan, the communication plan, ultimately training plan. But in there, in those conversations, I also find out who are kind of like the, the grassroots uh, leaders. And sometimes mm-hmm. people who are in the change champion network, they're not a formal leader. Yep. But they are a very influential and trusted peer of, you know, let's say the frontline deskless remote workforce, right? So it's finding the people who um, are wanting to be part of the change, who are wanting to champion it, um, but who also have the level of trust and influence. And again, it doesn't have to be title influence, but just influence to help bring along um, the people who will actually need to do the work to make the change happen. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like the, the locker room analogy, I guess, right. Who really is the person in the locker room, you know, that people turn to, right. Who is that informal leader that they look to look towards. Um, And I think that's especially true in any organization. It's especially true. Right. Um, So, I mean, it brings up, of course, the question of, I mean, you mentioned that the pressures that the frontline workforce is under, right. From a time Mm -hmm. standpoint, even today. Right. So even you know, trying to reach those individuals today is, is increasingly difficult just for them to carve out time. I mean, the other challenge that I've always thought about when it comes, and obviously as it's skillful, think about all the time is how do you reach them, right? How do you reach your frontline workforce, right? Because they are by definition deskless, right? They are often at a customer site or spread out geographically, right? They may be on their own. So that that raises some unique challenges when you talk about that. Hey, how do we communicate to these people effectively, right? How do we mm-hmm. train people effectively? How do companies, you know, deal with that particular hurdle? Yeah, great question. So I think it varies, and I think I've, you know, I have seen some very unique ways in which companies um, reach them. So I. I, I Sometimes at the very beginning of a change project, there'll be a survey that's sent out asking people how they prefer to be communicated with, right? So that's one really good source of information. Once aggregated, you really understand, um, you know, the various methods and means. Um, And then obviously people are, you know, most people have some sort of uh, device, whether it's a phone or a tablet or, 
you know, that they're out on the road with, or just, you know, however they're doing their work, they have that. And so finding a way to communicate with them um, in a very consistent and concise way on whatever device they have is really important. That's why I love Skillful. I mean, it's got so much data for a change data geek like me. Um, <laughs> I love it, but it's, you know, it's, it's having platforms like that, that, you know, you can plug the unique nuances of each, um, you know, stakeholder group in there and reach them in a way that's meaningful to them. And this is where I also think you can start to leverage that um, change network if you've set it up right so that it's a representative group of the, the, the unique needs of your various stakeholder groups. Because there are some, you know, some ways that people are used to communicating that if you can communicate in those ways and stick with what's um, consistent for them, that's helpful. So maybe you have um, while, while they might be deskless workforce, you know, maybe there's some leaders who have some sort of, you know, 15 minute, you know, virtual huddle that happens, you know, via telephone or something every morning, you know, maybe that's the, the vehicle by which you get on that agenda, you give that leader information to share, or maybe you're a part of that quick round table, right? Um, virtual round table, but yeah, so it's finding all of these different, um, you know, ways in which I think people are already communicated to. And it's also finding the ways that they're not, mm -hmm. right? Employees have a really good, uh, they have really good ideas, right? They're constantly saying, okay, gosh, I wish the company would do this. Why don't they think about doing that? Why can't they do it this way? If they only thought about doing it that way, it'd be so much easier, right? So it's being able to, to connect with them and allowing them to have a voice and how they experience change is important because if they feel like they've been heard and they see through the actions that what they've recommended is actually happening, they're more likely to move into the change and trust the change and trust the process because they, they feel like they're a part of it. It's something, it's not just something that's being done to them. Yeah. And that's not the first time we've heard that phrase, right? Something done to the front line mm -hmm. rather than with them. And I think that's very important. Yeah. I, I think mm -hmm. one of the other things that I kind of took out of, you know, what you were kind of just describing is, you know, you can't make assumptions about what's mm -hmm. happening, right? Or what your right. stakeholders need, even from a communication standpoint, mm -hmm. right? Because I always, you know, the thing that I think would come naturally to most change professionals, right? So oh, we need to communicate with them. That's, that's great. Okay. But now how do we communicate with them? Right. And, you know, from a knowledge worker perspective, we say, oh, that's easy. We communicate via email or, you know, other collaboration platforms using Slack or teams or whatever that may be. And all of a sudden you turn around and say, well, you know, actually our frontline workers don't have email right? Or they don't check email, <laughs> yeah. or maybe they check email once a week, right? So all of a sudden, if we're making too many assumptions, we're going to miss something that's critical, right? Yes. Um, in, in our process. Yep. And I think that assumption piece is huge, because it with the lack of information, that's what we do a lot, right? As change practitioners. And that's what bothered, that's actually what really bothered me, too, was, okay, I don't have data, I, I don't have a ton of information. So I'm going to assume that things are going well. Some things we did have data for, some, some things we didn't. Um, so, but I think that, you know, the more that we can not only understand what frontline employees need um, from, from listening to them and, and, you know, baking that into the plans, but really having data to, to follow up, right? We're asking them to do something. And that ask is part of a larger plan to hopefully successfully move them through the change. But if we don't have a way to easily see if that ask is being accomplished in a meaningful way, then we're assuming that they did what we've asked them, them to do. And that can be a dicey proposition, especially with frontline workers who are busy, they're struggling with time. So to have a, a system, you know, like Skillful and other, um, you know, ways to measure uh, you know, employee engagement um, and activities and completions and whatnot, it just really gives uh, power to the change team and to leaders because it's information and information is power. So it's an easily, an easy way to, to pinpoint where we are and where we need to go and to involve um, leaders in a more meaningful and transparent way through the change process. It's not so much of a, a push that we've seen in the past when you've got a system 
um, like a skillful where you can share that data and, and then it pulls leaders into to help partner with you. Yeah. And I also think there's always that concern, right? I think you alluded to a little bit, which is, you know, that, you know, it, it, it can't be big brother, right? Or can't appear yeah. to be big brother to the front line, right? It has right. to also be the information that we're gathering as leaders have to be used to help empower that frontline workforce, right? Rather than look at it as, okay, this is just another way that the company is trying to track every single thing that I do, right? <laughs> right, right. But I do think, you know, I think that's where the, um, you know, it's also really important that sometimes, you know, the frontline workforce, a change happens, but they don't understand that change in the grander scheme of things um, in, in the context of, of that larger picture. And so, when we're asking them to do something and, and we're tracking their completion and, you know, we, we, it, it's, it's to help them be successful. And, it, and I think that, um, you know, a lot of times people just innately do want to help others. And if you can help, you know, frontline employees, not only understand what the change is and what it means to them, but also what doing their part means to other people, either upstream or downstream from their part. I think that's important. And, and I think that's sometimes a, a, a spot that's missed in change management. It's just that transition of, of work because there are dependencies around, um, you know, everyone doing what they're supposed to be doing, you know, in that new journey of, of change. And so, um, you know, if people understand that, I think innately people don't want to be the cog in the wheel. Yeah, it's really interesting because we've often heard you. It's about, it's about explaining the why right? Mm -hmm. To why we're making this change. But I think you framed it in a, in an interesting way, right? It's, you know, it's not the why is the big company why, right? It's the why of, okay, here's why we're doing it. And here's how it not only impacts you, but the people you work with, right? The, and yes. and it, it's kind of like, you know, try to build that empathy, right? Not only with the worker, but for them to build empathy with the other people that are trying to get their jobs done around them. I think that's a, it's a really good point. Um, and, and one that's often overlooked, you know, you, you talked a bit about a lot about the need for data and the need for information and that need for visibility, right. I think is a really important one. Um, and, you know, what's always struck me is that, uh, and I'm sure it has struck you as well, which is why you, you have founded change sync, but that, you know, the, that ch change management, right. As a discipline has always been very framework focused and process focused, right. Not necessarily so much technology focused, right, to facilitate some of those things. Um, are we seeing a shift there? Are more companies thinking about, okay, we need more digital tools, for example, to help more accurately facilitate the change management process? Yes, yes. And I think that one thing that um, almost pushed that need forward was COVID. Yep. <laughs> that, I mean, every aspect of companies were changing and they were changing all at once. And, um, you know, organizations didn't have insight into quick, quick insight into where that change was happening, how it was happening, what was the timing, what are the details, you know, who is it impacting? So they, it, it made it very difficult um, to be strategic about how they manage change across the organization. And at a time that was arguably extremely stressful for people, both professionally and personally, right? People had kids at home and, you know, trying to manage work and, you know, all, it was just so much. And so I think that really pushed forward um, the desire for companies to say, okay, you know, we, we had, and quite frankly, looking in the rearview mirror, we were forced to change quickly and we changed quickly. We did, we made it happen, um, you know, for, for most, but the, the process was a painful one mm -hmm. and they don't really want to go through that again. And um, they have a greater appreciation for change and being able to change well and really having insight into um, what that change looks like across the organization. And the only way you do that is to leverage technology. So, um, just, you know, with ChangeSync, much like any other, um, you know, enterprise planning system, you know, the, the information that you put into it is what you're going to get out of it, right? And so, you know, the more organizations are using um, the platform to manage, track, and report on their change, uh, much like Skillful, the more reporting that they're going to get out of it and the more data-driven insights they have into um, how their organization 
does with change, how well teams um, trend with change over time. Um, you know, maybe there's pockets of the organization that are typically resistant to change. And when you can see that over time, it allows you to be more strategic when it's time to change again, to make sure that, you know, there's not change saturation, or perhaps there's, you know, even more unique plans needs to be put into, into place, depending on, um, you know, what change has looked like historically with the organization. Yeah. And there's so, yeah, some data is huge. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, there's this other element, which you kind of alluded to, I mean, you talked about how the pandemic has really, you know, caused such massive disruption organization and, and everybody had to kind of change overnight. Mm -hmm. The reality is, you know, we're not done changing, right? That wasn't yeah. a one-time thing. And I think I remember mm -hmm. you at the beginning of our conversation, you were kind of, when you were talking about change sync, you kind of described, Hey, there are tools out there for, for project teams, but none for, you know, change practitioners. And I think very often we typically think of like, you know, change management similar to project management in which there's a beginning and an end. Mm -hmm. But it certainly seems now that, you know, particularly in companies that, first of all, let's, let's look at the pandemic as one thing is we're in this kind of constant cycle of change. But even yep. outside of that, if you want to be a company that's continuously evolving, there's continuous change involved in that, right? right? Yep. So yep. are companies taking, or how do you think about this as more of like change instead of not thinking about change with a beginning and an end, but more of a kind of a life cycle or ongoing, um, you need to manage it in a more ongoing fashion. Yeah, it's kind of, it's almost like an evolution, mm -hmm. right? To your point, there's, there's not a start and there's, there's not an end. And oftentimes what I've seen is, you know, one change, um, you know, while there might be an end to that change, let's say it's a, you know, an ERP. So there's a go live date, right? Mm -hmm. People are still going to use it and there's probably going to need to be some ongoing, you know, training and some, you know, remediation and whatnot. Um, and obviously maintenance of the system. But, um, you know, a great example of that is once you start using the system, oftentimes people find that there's efficiencies gained that they couldn't anticipate. So now that, um, you know, becomes a, a new change, uh, perhaps it's a restructuring of teams and, you know, redistribution of work. And so, you know, as uh, just like as in nature, as one thing changes, it inevitably has some sort of impact on something else. And, and whether that change becomes a formal change that, you know, a change team is put on, or it's, it's just another change that employees have to kind of uh, work through in a, in a teamwork way. Uh, it, it, it's, it's happening all the time and it will continue to happen. And I really, really do believe that the pace of change uh, will continue to increase. I mean, companies are constantly facing, you know, new competition. That's for any of us out there. You know, there's always going to be new competitors in the marketplace. And so, you know, if you want to continue to stay ahead, you have to continue to evolve your product to meet the needs of, you know, the, the, the consumer's um, experience. Yeah. Do you anticipate, I mean, it's really interesting you know, would you anticipate a, a, a shift in how companies even organize their change organizations to kind of mirror some of that? I mean, one of the things I, th I think about, you know, often increasingly, for example, within IT, we're seeing more and more IT business partner roles, right? Which are, you know, these are IT practitioners who really have responsibility for a particular business unit, right? And they're not mm -hmm. project-based, they're living that life, right? They're living with those teams, really understanding their requirements and, and constantly supporting those teams from a technology standpoint. Whereas, as you mentioned, you know, from a change perspective, we may say, oh, does this require a change team to be put on this, this initiative? Whereas, mm -hmm. well, maybe we have a change team that always lives with this group. You know, maybe it's the, our operations team or whatever it is to continuously guide them down this, this kind of journey, as you just kind of described it. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is changing. I mean, even the structure of, of change, um, I think if you look at it historically, uh, a lot of change teams uh, resided under HR. Yep. I think it was a natural fit because it was the people side of change. Uh, you know, and, and they also, in some organizations and, and still widely today, live under the IT because, uh, you know, by and large, a lot of their changes in the organization are IT related. But I've seen over the years a big shift uh, where the change uh, team itself is being, um, the centralized change team 
is being elevated uh, to work kind of uh, almost at the executive level um, because then they are a part of um, the, the discussions around you know, the various portfolios and what's happening at the very top level of the organization and, and being able to conceptualize, okay, if this is our strategic vision over the next five, 10 plus years, you know, then being able to reverse engineer and understand what changes are happening in order to live into that strategic vision. So it helps the change team put the pieces together, but it also helps them understand what parts of the organization are going to be impacted by which changes. And so now they can start to see where um, there might be pockets of change saturation. Uh, you know, there, there might be, um, you know, some changes that might have some sort of conflicting aspects. Uh, and, and that happens. But, but then from there, to your point, you know, it, it's not a, one centralized change team can't do it for the entire organization, right? Mm -hmm. so, so they're having to stand up different structures, whether formal or informal, to have change representation across the organization. So some people are doing that on a project by project basis. Other organizations I've seen where they have dedicated people in a decentralized fashion across their organization acting as um, a change agent. Sometimes that's a, a formal accountability on top of their full-time job. Other times it's an actual um, position, full-time mm -hmm. position that they do just um, liaising with that centralized team and carrying forth what change means um, from the very beginning to the part of the organization they're responsible to represent. Yeah, and I so think it's, it I was going to say, I think it, it yeah. you know, based on what you were kind of talking about earlier, right, which is really understanding those unique needs, really understanding the stakeholders, it would seem to me a logical progression, right, mm -hmm. to have those people who are kind of alongside them, you know, kind of, as you said, kind of connecting to that central change team and say, okay, well, how, what does this really mean for my stakeholder groups now, yep. right? What does yep. this mean for this particular part of the organization? I think it makes total mm -hmm. sense. Yep. So they're setting up the structures really to uh, optimize the yeah. efficiencies and the, the ability um, to be agile with change. So Kate, there's always a, a, another question I'd like to ask kind of as, as we wrap up our, our um, episodes. Um, and you know, you're, it's interesting because you, you know, you're not a technologist by background necessarily. You've worked, I think, a lot, a lot of change progress in technology, and but now you are the CEO of a technology company. So the mm -hmm. question I like to ask is, what do you love about working in technology, right? Or maybe being part of now a technology company, and what is it that you don't like so much? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, let's see, let's start with what I don't like so much. <laughs> um, there's, it's, it's a big learning curve, right? So, you know, someone, um, you know, such as myself, who was an expert in, in change management, of course, I learned a lot about technology doing, you know, tech implementations for companies over the years, but it's a different, um, you know, it's a different bird when, uh, you know, you're, you're building your own company. And so I think that, um, you know, it, it's constantly evolving and it's, uh, it's, it's having to, to learn. And um, I don't have to be the expert in it. I've got a team of people who <laughs> can, can be the expert, but I have to, I have to understand it. Right. Um, and, and there's so many different layers of, you know, running a business that are now supported. Like the foundation is in technology, right? You've got your website, but there's different components of your website, you know, that are rooted in SEO and security and, you know, all of those things, let alone the actual tech um, products that you have and, um, you know, su supporting that from, from that perspective as well. So um, really, you know, figuring out, um, you know, at one point in time, what I didn't know and, and learning that and surrounding myself with the people who were experts in that uh, was really important. And that's always a journey for me. I don't think anyone ever <laughs> arrives to, to know everything. So, but at the same time, that's part of what I love, right? I, I love, um, you know, being in the tech space and, and, and learning, you know, more about it. So it's kind of a bit of a double-edged sword, right? Uh, but, but creating a product that I know is helping my fellow change practitioners and being, being able to, um, you know, get to know and partner with, um, you know, other players in the space of change and, and those who have an appreciation for it and creating, you know, awesome products, you know, like a skillful and, and really being on this journey of people who, 
um, it, who I consider part of a tribe, right? It's, it's a change tribe and we understand how hard change can be for people and, and, and really helping to um, create products and services and experiences um, that make change easier for people. Because at the end of the day, you know, life is, life can be hard, right? It's, it's busy, we got a lot going on. So if we can somehow make uh, work easier um, because change at work is a bit easier then um, you know, that makes me feel good at the end of the day. Well, that's great, Kate. And certainly, you know, we can tell your passion for, you know, change management and, and helping others in the space. And uh, I really, really appreciate you coming on the program to kind of share your insights and your, and, and your thoughts. Um, where can people find out more about um, you and and uh, and change sync in particular the website is uh, change sync.com so that's www.changesync.com yes okay um, yep. and I'm sure if people want to connect with you they can find you on LinkedIn yep LinkedIn or always shoot us an email uh, my direct email is Kate at change or always info at change is another way to reach us. So happy to answer any questions or meet other change professionals. I love it. And are you going to be at any events in the, in the new year at all? There people might um, find you out as well. Yeah. So we're going to be at the um, NCCI conference uh, in August. So that's in new Orleans this year. Uh, we'll be at the ACMP uh, global conference coming up and uh and we actually, our, our company is being showcased on a, a show called Viewpoint with Dennis Quaid. Okay. Where can um, so people that, uh, find find that? Uh, that's going to be actually, um, some portions are going to be aired on Fox Business News and uh, on public television um, stations across the U.S. So uh, we're, we're likely going to be at the end of January or beginning of February. We're still nailing down that production uh, well, hearing date. Well, that's great. Sounds like you've got a busy new year, as I'm sure the mm. the uh, the old <laughs> year is busy wrapping up. And again, Kate, really want to thank you for uh, for taking the time uh, today to to speak to our audience. So thanks again, Kate. Thanks so much, Gene. I really appreciate the opportunity. Take care. Yep. Happy New Year. Thanks, you too. And we're going to wrap up here. I, I hope that you listening have found this conversation as enjoyable as I have. If so, please share and rate the podcast. Five-star ratings help ensure that it gets promoted to other professionals like you that are innovating on the front lines. Uh, friendly reminder, this podcast is sponsored by Skillful, the mobile digital adoption platform for deskless and frontline workers. You can visit the Skillful website at skyllful.com. And if you or someone you know is out there innovating on the front lines, we'd love to hear about it. Please feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn and share your story. See you on our next episode.